Welcome to the Canon Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Tim Emmett, the lead pastor at Canon, and I hope that this message will help you take your next step with Jesus as He leads us from death to life, from sorrow to joy, from the world as it is to the world as it will be. Thanks for joining us. I know this is probably hard for some amongst us to believe, but I will never forget the feeling that I felt during the summer between my high school graduation and when I started college. I don't know if it's because it was the first time I was fully present for that feeling. Um, You know, life seems to kind of go by uh, at the speed of light and then um, slow like a a tortoise. (laughs) Um, But at that point in time, it was the first time I was aware of feeling this particular way. I felt untethered. I felt like I was floating between what was and what was yet to be. I felt very disconnected and um, and uncertain. I, I feel that feeling today as the mother of two adult children, young adult children. I'm still their mama, but they're young adults, and they have capacity, and they have agency, and they make their own decisions, and yet they're still my children. They will probably, I will probably always think of them in that way. There is this, this tension, if you will, between the already and the not yet. We talked about this for the last number of weeks, the reality of the people of God coming out of the, the resurrection and the ascension, the new creation beginning to break through, and yet the persecution and the oppression of the people of God in the midst of this new reality and the tension between the world as it was and the world as it will be this new reality that Christ had afforded. These feel like places, in-between places, if you will, for all of us to some degree, where there's a sort of resistance that I recognize within myself that wants to be released, that wants to be relaxed. Uh, I liken it to like a rubber band that's being pulled taut, and you're not sure if it's going to break or like shoot across the room and hit somebody. You know what I'm talking about? This liminal space can, can um, be felt or experienced in a, a diagnosis that we get as we wait for some effective course of treatment. It can be retiring from a decades-long career while still trying to reimagine what everyday life is going to look like on the other side. These in-between spaces are uncomfortable. <laughs> they can be very, very uncomfortable. We're hungry to arrive wherever that destination is, to find closure, to to move on, to get on with things, whatever those things might be. And yet, as followers of Jesus, disciples, we call ourselves and are called, we are students. We are lifelong learners. I think this is especially poignant for today. It's a challenge to our ways of living because we want to arrive, we want to be done, we want to check the box, we want to get on with things. When we celebrate graduation or retirement and declare ourselves done, we're still in this kind of liminal space. We struggle to live in these in-between times, the spaces between the already and the not yet. As I said, much like the people that Peter was writing to in his letters. 
Episcopal priest Debbie Long reflected on this in light of a poem that was written by John O'Donohue, who was an Irish philosopher, poet, and priest. And the name of this poem was For the Interim Time. She reflected on this in an article that she wrote for the magazine Christian Century, if you're familiar with that. She expressed this desire that we all have to resolve this tension this resistance within us that is a familiar struggle for us as followers of Jesus, as Christians. Though the life of faith is often described in terms of joyful arrivals and culminations, in reality, we spend a lot of our time in between. In between. Though we know that Good Friday gives way to Easter, we live our lives in all reality in Holy, Third, in Holy Saturday waiting for the fullness of the resurrection to come to fruition, waiting for the promise to unfold. Sometimes it feels as if the whole planet is straining with impatience for that culmination, for that resolution, for the the rubber band to be let go of, yearning for something better. Sometimes we find ourselves wondering if the in-betweenness is the quintessential human experience. In O'Donohue's poem, he describes the in-between as a familiar place that no longer looks like itself, a familiar place that no longer looks like itself. Everything is withheld, he writes, and the way forward is still concealed. Interim time, in other words, is disorienting for all of us. The God we think we know suddenly becomes unfamiliar in this new terrain, in this new season, in this new territory. The paths we've been used to walking somehow suddenly grow strange. We wander, we stumble, we can feel lost in these in-between places, sometimes feeling exiled, sometimes feeling punished, Certainly this was the case, again, for the recipients of of Peter's letter initially as they faced the reality of oppression and, and persecution in the first century church. Not so much for believing, again, that Jesus was the Son of God. That wasn't the the problem. That wasn't the issue for the powers and the principalities that they had to succumb to. But they were persecuted for worshiping this crucified and risen man rather than Caesar, and all of the societal implications that arose as a result of their behavior. Because they believed, because they worshiped Jesus, they acted differently. Their behavior was different than the rest of the society around them. I think part of the problem is that our culture doesn't train us to navigate interim time gracefully. Again, it's not something that we, we are comfortable in, these in-between in times, because we're primed, if we're honest with ourselves, to expect immediate gratification. I mean, it's all around us, right? We can order just about anything and have it on our doorstep in 24 hours. We can send a message across the ocean instantaneously, We have 24-hour, seven-day-a-week access to information, to health care, to food in some way, shape, or form. In this cultural economy, a delay can feel like a waste of time for us. It can feel like a waste of time. Let's just get on with it already. A delay sometimes can feel like a valid reason to doubt 
the love of God. Certainly, this had to be something that was experienced by those who first heard this letter from Peter. And yet, and yet, in the Bible, interim time, between time, is the norm. We have the ability to see it all in one fail swoop, and yet their interim time is so integral to the story of the people of God. It's nearly a necessary human vocation for all of us. A pattern for the people of God is one of waiting, waiting. It's what we do in Advent. We wait. It's what we do between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. It's what we do between the resurrection and the ascension, the ascension and the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's what we do as followers of, of Jesus. We wait. Adam waits for a partner. Noah waits for the floodwaters to recede. Abraham waits for a son. Jacob waits to marry Rachel. Hannah waits for Samuel. The Israelites wait for deliverance and then wander in the desert for 40 years. Jesus waits to begin his public ministry. Maybe what we need is not an end to interim time, but a greater willingness to recognize the gifts of this interim time. What God can teach us in the in-between periods of our lives, whether we want to be taught or not. That's a question I find myself asking when I'm in those interim times and places that are less than desirable for me. God, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me? Sometimes those lessons are lessons that can't be learned in any other time of our life. This in-betweenness is exactly the tension, the reality experienced by those Peter addressed in his letter. The time between the world as it is and the world as it will be. Again, these early churches were not persecuted for believing in Jesus, but how they acted as a result. They preached a message of liberation, good news to the poor, Liberation to the oppressed, freedom to the imprisoned, sight to the blind. They rejected the conformity of the societal norms around them and made it really, really untenable for those in power. Peter shares that they should not be surprised at their, their challenges, the resistance to who they were and how they lived. They should not be surprised. They were not conforming to the societal norms around them. Instead, they were resisting them. They lived with a sort of resistance between what was and what was yet to be when conformity afforded a, an elevated place in society. I'm wondering, as a church today in the 21st century, why we don't experience hostility to how we live our lives. Peter describes three ways to resist this conformity, a conformity that, frankly, would have been a lot easier in this in-between place that they were living. And though we can't begin to compare, as has been said many times over the last five weeks, we cannot begin to compare our own 21st century Western Christian reality to theirs. There are three ways that we, too, can resist conformity in our day. Resistance being defined as the ability not to be affected by something, especially adversely. Let's just think about the anger and the response that seems so urgent in so many places of our lives. Resisting responding 
resisting, especially if the impact is adverse. So Peter's drawing the the letter to a close, and he lists these many trials and hardships that they've had to endure and reminded them of their connection to Jesus, the firm foundation that we sang about at the beginning of the worship service, and his suffering, Jesus' suffering in their own. He reminds them of all of these things, the future hope that spurs them on the world as it shall be is so significant to the perseverance from this world that they are living in to what will be. The present suffering to future glory, the already to the not yet, the in-between time and space is the place that we're all experiencing resistance. So he says three things. The first thing he says is to act humbly. It's a big word. Acknowledging God's power in providence. Not our power, not wielding power, not manipulating circumstances, not trying to, to control something, but acknowledging God's power. I'm sure you've heard the definition of humility being it's, it's thinking, it isn't thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. <laughs> Pride comes before the fall, so we're told. And pride is the motivating factor in so many of these urgent responses that just proliferate everything in our world today. We are lifelong learners as followers of Jesus, students, disciples. Act humbly. And then he says, act watchfully, act watchfully. Be disciplined enough to not doze off at the wheel. Now, there's this little bracelet, and I'm going to talk about this on Pentecost Sunday, but there's this little bracelet that I wear um, that says, come on, on it. Come on. And it came out of a, a trip that I took with some friends of mine to a conference where Peter Gregg actually um, prayed this prayer, come on. Come on. Mostly what I want to tell you today is that I, I look at it and I remember, come on, Heather, wake up. Wake up. Resist. Resist. Come on, Heather. Wake up. Be aware. Who are you? Where is your foundation? Where does your power come from? It doesn't come from you. Come on, Heather. Act watchfully. Disciplined enough not to doze off in the face of impending danger. Be sober. Be vigilant. Pay attention. Pay attention. The third thing he says is to act faithfully. By resisting the evil one. Resist, even when it's harder, even when it might not make sense to the people around you, even when it doesn't make sense to just empty yourself of whatever perceived power you think you might have. When you have the inclination to wield that power to manipulate circumstances or act in ways that elevate you or us, we do this and advance the kingdoms of the world rather than the kingdom of God. Act faithfully. I'm reminded as I read this text of, of the passage that, um, that Paul writes of to the Philippians when he says that in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing 
by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God exalted him, not because he exalted himself, but because he emptied himself. God exalted him, and every knee shall bow and exalt Christ because he made himself low, because he humbled himself, because he emptied himself of all power, of all power. The God of the interim doesn't exist for our comfort, though he certainly exists for our focus, that our eyes would be on him. Peter reminds us of this resistance within us and this resistance that we're called to be in the world, this place of already and not yet. In this in-between time, we have certainly the comfort of God's present grace and knowledge of God's eventual victory. As we resist, we do so as a part of a sort of resistance movement that is the church in the world today. So it is meant to be. Quiet in some cases, underground and subversive in the ways that we live and act. Pressed, yes we are, but not crushed persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. These places of resistance, these in-between places can be, for each and every one of us, a crucible of sorts, refining us and transforming us and who we become in the meantime. And I, I have said this again and again, is oftentimes far more important than the destination, where we're going, who we become in the meantime. Before we get to the next chapter, the next page, the next season, the next whatever, I think it can take years to recognize how our insistence on quick answers and easy resolutions can distort our perceptions of the divine in the midst of all of it, God's power and God's presence and God's providence. Waiting through interim time forces us to consider the, the possibility that God is bigger, that God is wilder and less predictable, less safe than our short-term needs and hungers might dictate those easy answers and resolutions. I believe these in-between time places, these interim times, can compel us to seek God's presence. Even when we feel less tethered, not merely in the light of arrival and closure. The God of the interim doesn't exist for our comfort, as I said, but the God of the interim simply is with us. To accept this is both painful for some of us and necessary. Richard Rohr writes, to receive reality is always to bear it, to bear with reality for not meeting all of our needs. To accept reality is to forgive reality for what it is. So as we celebrate or grieve the end of one season and walk through the next, we are compelled to receive reality, he says, with open hands rather than closed fists. The end of O'Donohue's poem warns us not to lose confidence during these interim times, particularly those hard, challenging interim times, but to remain patient. I hate paying for, praying for patience. 
You know it always gets tried and tested and exercised when you do. But to remain patient and to open, be open to renewal. He says, what is being transfigured here is your mind. And it is difficult and slow to become new. The more faithfully you can endure here, the more refined your heart will become for your arrival in the new dawn. So as we move from this world as it is to the world as it will be, may the in-between places loosen us, free us, transfigure us, and refine us. May they prepare us slowly and surely for the new day that awaits each and every one of us, the world as it shall be. And most of all, after each new arrival, each new beginning, each new threshold we walk through, may we boldly enter the richness of the (laughs) in-between once again. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. We hope that this message will help you have a great week by helping you walk in faith, hope, and love. Looking for more information about Canon? Check us out on the web at canonchurch.org or follow us on Facebook at Canon UMC and Instagram at Canon Church 2424.